0: This week on Dig Meow, and ten times a day. Yeah, yeah. Copper talk, Copper isn't one sleep to bed with your host Jason Zia
1: and tim manichi jay this week we are back with one of our patron picks one of the folks who has who has been with us for 12 months gets to pick their record awesome surprise it's from australia (laughs) cool it's uh from darren leach he's been around a while he's he suggested records before and uh this is another one that has completely slipped by our radar, I believe. Well, not just ours. I would say a lot of people. <laughs> because uh, unless you were in Australia in the 90s, you probably have not heard of Finny Scad or Scad. Yeah. I'm not Where? sure how you pronounce it exactly. Uh, but that's the album he suggested. It's their only album called Wider Screen. It was came out in 1998. Uh, neither have I, Neither I nor you have heard this record before this episode. I guarantee it.
2: That is correct.
1: Yes. No way. Not possible. You're, you're
2: a wise, wise man.
1: He sent us some notes because he wasn't able to join us to do the episode. So he said uh, he gave us the history, which was real nice. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give the history right here real quick. It's not too long because, you know, they were only a band for one record for about and they were only together for about two years. It was released in ninety eight on the mushroom label. They uh, previously released an EP called Test Rider in 1996, and it had a radio hit with Coppertone, which was also on this record. I don't know if it was re recorded or not, but it was included on this record. It was a Triple J radio hit, reached number 42 in the 1996 Triple, Day, Triple J Hottest 100, and then they put out this record in 98, and he said that this was a hot year for. Australian music. There were great albums by UMI, who we previously talked about. Powderfinger. The Super Jesus, who we've previously talked about. Regurgitator.
2: Po- po- Powderfinger was uh, Australian. Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: Regurgitator. We've talked about that band before. The Living End. We've talked about that band before. Sure. Jebediah and Grinspoon, two we have not checked out, but I will probably from someone in the next year or so with their suggestion and it'll be one of those two bands i'm just taking a wild guess all these bands were featured on the triple j and recovery which is a music tv show he says he saw them live once in 1998 and they were energetic and talkative on stage he has a vague memory of them covering a police song they released uh three singles off this record it's not real sonic boy and furious uh and it was produced In part by John Agnello, who is best known for his work in the United States on bands like Dinosaur Jr. and Buffalo Tom. There are actually a number of producers. John Auer from The Posies produced and mixed one of the songs on the the album. So, uh, unfortunately, the music is out of print, both physical and streaming. Not a lot of info on them out there. There is a Wikipedia page, but it's very minor. And they broke up in 98. You can find them on Discogs, and you can find them on YouTube. But that's about it. Like I even went and searched just for other reviews, and there's nothing out there.
2: We're going to own these uh, Google keywords.
1: <laughs> They're... All Finny Scad traffic shall be directed <laughs> to us.
2: We are canonical when it comes to Finny Scad. We are the only thing that matters.
1: This is your warehouse of... <laughs> Vinny Skad knowledge. All right, Jay. So. So. Here's what he said that worked for him. He said, I think the album still holds up today and doesn't sound dated. That's number one. Doesn't sound dated. It sounds like four mates in a garage. Um, They didn't do any bells and whistles. He loves the straightforward simplicity of the album. And at 12 songs in 40 minutes, it works for him. He wouldn't remove any tracks or rearrange the track listing, and he's not fatigued by the end of the record. So those are all good notes. So Jay, tell me something that worked for you on "Wider Screen" by Finney Scad.
2: Uh, I'll start with the vocals. I like this. I like the singer. Um, it's one of those voices that it sounds kind of familiar, but you can't quite pick who it is, who it is that it sounds like. Um, mm-hmm. And somewhere in that, it's very unique, if, if that makes any sense. He sings with a like a exuberance at times. Like there's this passion to where he's really pushing his voice, um, not in a like strained, screamy way or yelly way, but just, I don't know, there's just this uh, exuberance or passion behind his singing that is really, it really works well, with, especially with the up tempo stuff. It, it just, has this really cool energy and uh, unique sound, but, but still be very melodic and familiar. I- Also found myself quite often thinking of at the drive-in when I was listening to this band. Really? Well, when when you think about how like he when he sings melodically, um, mm-hmm. is it Cedric the singer? Yeah. When he sings melodically, it uh, isn't doing this you know the, the really aggressive, screamy kind of stuff. It sound it sound. There's moments where it really reminded me of, of him. So, um, in the way that the the rhythms, in the way he sings, and even the the tone of his voice at times is, is in there that re- register at times so that that was the voice that i kept coming back to which i didn't expect and the mu- musically it's not really like that but but that was the the one voice i could kind of put a finger on and say okay i'm getting a similarity there now this album predates the drive-in um in terms of any kind of uh, popular exposure, and especially in australia right. so but um there there's just and, and I think Cedric sings in the same manner like there there's this exuberance or energy behind his singing that's really infectious and it adds a ton to the music so i' will just start there I, I just I couldn't get enough of of the voice here,
1: so <laughs> I did also like his voice uh yeah. i I thought that it's this is gonna be a weird combo so he did remind me of a couple folks with that first song just a show which is one of my favorite songs on the record when he starts singing he's like oh, da, 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 da," he sounds like Dio okay, okay. which I was like okay yeah. what is going on in this record does that again. There's a song uh towards the back half of the record during the verses of Wider Screen. He's, he, again, he sounds like he's doing like this Dio thing. I don't know what's the phrasing, but the way his voice just hits, it just kind of sounds like Dio a little bit. <laughs> and it was well, I weird. Think,
2: I think you're proving my point because I, I go through my notes. I'm like, oh, that little bit sounded like Soundgarden and that little bit sounded like Rage yeah. Against the Machine and that little bit sounded like Rocker from the Crypt. and. Oh, here he's kind of singing like Perry Farrell, and here oh yeah, there's Sonic a moment. Boy,
1: it sounds a little bit like Sonic, uh, like Jane's Addiction.
2: you know. And here's Tragically Hip. Like I thought, Coppertone. Like the verses in that song reminded me of Tragically Hip a little bit in the way that uh, he delivers that. And so, but but it's never any one thing for too long. It's just these no, little, no, no. and I think. Um, you know, for music to be accessible, you need a little bit of that. Like, you need to be able to relate to it, Um and to something that's familiar. But then, you that ge- that allows you to give it a chance, and then you f- start to realize how unique it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the person, so,
1: I, I copper tone like froze me in my tracks because I was I heard it and I was like, "Who does this sound like?" And I couldn't figure it out and it was driving me nuts and i had to stop listening and go i actually went to our website and started and i went through our album review page and just started scanning through all the albums and i was i, I probably spent like five minutes because we've done so many records and i got to Sebado and i was like lou barlow that's okay who he yeah. sounds like yeah, i, I, I hear a little bit of the tragedy of hip, but in in i think more the music than the vocal but like yeah yeah uh yeah so yeah, he's sort of a chameleon in that way, which is is not unusual with singers. A lot of times they inhabit the the vocal, you know, tendencies of bands that they listen to. I'm not saying that he was listening to Dio and Sebado and Jane's Addiction all before this record was made, but there's a you know those might have been records that he listened to in the past and just uh, you know by osmosis, sang it the similar way. But yeah I, I got the same thing from him in terms of like he's just got a lot of passion in the vocal and it comes out in his delivery because he's he's all over the place in terms of energy and really like selling the songs yeah and different.
2: yeah and he uses a couple different voices on the record too which is nice he's not always in the same place right he can do some talky almost like i don't want to say rap but like more talk oriented stuff mm-hmm. and then he can go to a lower register and he can get fairly high. I mean, he's got enough range. He's not like doing any vocal gymnastics or anything, but he's got enough range to find the right voice for the song. And then also hit the melodies that, that need to be hit to create the, the hooks and the ear candy.
1: Yeah. I I, I do want to highlight also, I mentioned it briefly, but the John Agnello production on a lot of this record, you really get that like thick guitar. Yeah. Like, you know, he's kind of known for with nineties alternative, whether it's dinosaur junior or, or, um, you know, Buffalo Tom had a great guitar tone.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The tones are, um, they're rich. Yeah. They're not huge, but they're full and rich. I I really like them a lot. They're really, I think there's a lot of mid tone in there that he's using, which gives it that, like a little bit of a dark feel. Um, Mm -hmm. where they could get and i think in another producer's hands this could get really bright some of these tones could get a little bright and kind of scratchy or annoying um but he pulls them back and he finds this really great range and then the guitar parts i think that would be the second thing i would call out that i liked uh, there's some cool um complementary guitar playing here where there's two parts that are similar but a little off so you get that nice big you know sound where you know it just expands this the soundscape when you you've got two rhythm guitars playing off each other that way but then one will do some interesting leads um i really like the chord choices maybe more than i think that in combination with the vocals what makes this band work for me so there's really good chord choices through this record that will take you from a part that's kind of ho-hum to They'll make a chord change and all of a sudden it elevates to this whole other place and then they'll make another, another chord change and it takes another twist and turn. And there's nice little uh, like riff sections. And I just like how the guitar, from a songwriting standpoint, is used in these songs. Um, and then the vocal is strong enough that he just plays off of that and goes up when the guitar takes it up and comes back down when it you know, comes down. And so I think that was the other standout. Uh, reason why i I, uh, I like this record
1: see i i felt like on the guitar stuff i i think on the tracks that worked for me i was into the guitar stuff but on the stuff that i didn't like as much that's where i noticed that the the guitars weren't like doing much for me yeah uh, like they just seemed to be one was doing a chord and maybe one was just like doing a simple lead or picking or something like that. There wasn't as much thought I'd think on the slower songs into making the guitars as dynamic as they were. And some of them were tempo because there's some really interesting like arpeggios that one guitar will do opposite the other one. Or like you mentioned, like there's some voicings of chords that are not typical. I don't know if they're using like augmented chords or, or whatnot but it's not just like they're playing power chords throughout the whole record. There's some interesting little things here and there that they do that are more reminiscent of, um, you know, like you mentioned Soundgarden earlier, but like there's some weird chord voicings that, you know, maybe like a Kim Thayil would do on some yep. things, but not make it sound metal.
2: Right. But, and, and I think you touched on, you are starting to get into the parts that don't work. I agree on the, the slower songs, uh, they don't seem to, I don't, there's a, there's something about the faster songs that it, it makes them, you you get a live feel, they just seem more creative in that, in that tempo. Yeah. And when the, when it slows down, um, uh, I think it starts to expose some of the limitations of the band and, uh, yeah, some of the guitar riffs get less interesting and predictable and the chord changes aren't there. And, and some of the, there's no hooks in some of those, some of that stuff, Right. Uh, you know the vocal gets a little jumbled like he hasn't quite figured out what the what the melody is but i think that has more to do with the song writing and arrangement than any one particular I just, uh, those are probably just not strong songs i guess is the point
1: yeah well you know there's uh on a song like wider screen which is it's a bit off kilter it does some interesting weird stuff. There's like a, a vocal effect on this on the start of the song, and start of the verses. And then I mentioned like then there's like the second half of the verse where it goes into like this Dio thing. And then there's like weird backing vocals in the chorus. And it's just an overall, it's kind of a weird song compared to a lot of the more straightforward up-tempo rock songs. But even though it's weird and I'm like kind of not sure whether I like it or not, I at least like that they went with a lot of weirdness and did some different you know effects and made some odd choices in that record or in that song because it's it's more challenging songs like i think the two that i i found the least interesting were like test rider and can't explain because a i think it's where his vocal suffers the most is not being not really finding what his voice is in those songs um but i don't really want to hear him hushed and like speaking yeah because then i start paying attention to the lyrics and i'm like well the lyrics aren't really that special like when the uh-huh. songs up tempo i don't really care what the lyrics are i just want a good melody to sort of carry me through and if you have a chorus to nail it. I don't really care what you're singing. Just make it interesting and, you know, catchy. But when you yeah. get into the slower stuff and he's got to carry it with the vocal and there's not much going on with the guitar, that's where it kind of loses me and I end up uh drifting paying attention to what's going on. And and overall, you know, he mentioned this is not a long record. There's only a couple songs that are 4 minutes. Most of the record is is fairly tight and fairly and the songs are tight. Yeah. Uh you know, the first five, six songs are three minutes or you know, two minutes, three minutes, three minutes, three minutes, three minutes, or two minutes. So that it's all really tight up there. And um and then when you get you know, as typical with, you know, like a twelve song record in the nineties, you start you hit the midpoint and then you get four minutes, four you know, four minutes, four and a half, four and a half. Yeah. And uh it starts to you know, slow down a little bit once you get to that uh midpoint section of the album i did want to highlight i the song that was the single the first single on this record which is it's not real i don't know if you picked up on this but the drummer is doing this really cool uh riff in the verses it's like a kick tom snare combo it's really cool
2: oh yeah it's like a really fast like yeah yeah
1: and and the chorus in that song is well constructed too it's like built into two parts Which I always like when a band, you know, hits you with a nice chorus, but then doubles it up with an either an extra cool outro or a little bridge out of it, or just elevates it to a second part. That to me, that's the. Go ahead. That's just a sign of like good songwriting.
2: Yeah, that was what I was. That's probably the best example of the chord choice I was talking about. When they get to that second part of the chorus, it's like, oh, okay, here we go. We're going up another. We're we're taking it up another level.
1: I noticed, uh, I, I, maybe it was because we just did that drumming uh, roundtable, so I was paying attention to the drums more, but like I listened to on Sonic Boy, the drummer's just killing the hi-hat in the verse of that song. I mean, he's just absolutely was like 30 second notes on that thing uh, yeah. with an open hi-hat in. Um, the chorus isn't like spectacular, but it's got like a huge sound that's really cool. And that's that's to me where he sounds the most like, Perry Farrell is on is on that tune, but like good Perry Farrell. Yeah. Not like annoying <laughs> gypsy yeah. s- s- desert gypsy uh Perry Farrell. <laughs> <laughs> oh so
2: What happened to that guy?
1: Uh he, he he got into um running uh festivals and discovered there was more money in doing that than playing rock venues. And then I think he got into some other stuff that I think he's like way into like investing in stuff.
2: Oh, good for him.
1: Yeah. So we haven't done this in a while, but you know, in listening to this record, I was trying to think like, where where would this fit? Like in American rock radio? Like, I don't, I don't see where at all this would be. I I understand, you know, they clearly wanted to, to break here because they came to the United States to record this record with John Agnello and with John, hour from the posies and you know spent time in in new jersey <laughs> to get it done uh at the magic shop or not the yeah is that in new jersey or is that in uh, uh new york i don't remember exactly but anyway yeah i was in new york uh but you know they 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 got guys who could put them potentially on american college radio but this this didn't do this didn't make a dent as far as I can tell, anywhere outside of Australia, it clearly got them some radio play there. But then they were gone, you know, five minutes later. And- yeah, I mean, it, it
2: could have sat. To me, it sits. It could sit beside Foo Fighters. It could sit beside our Lady Peace. Mm-hmm. Um, the I guess the thing that they don't have is they need that ballad. <laughs> you know, I mean, ultimately, that's why How our Lady Peace got big for a moment was. know a ballad so and even Foo Fighters then I guess they didn't have a ballad but they had some lighter material that's like big me and oh yeah um, that really is what
1: learning to fly
2: learning to fly that really busted the door open to them for mainstream Mm
1: -hmm.
2: so I think for a band like this they need that at least that one song that can do that and then they can have the rest of the record be this and You'll get that nice split of fans where, you know, it'll be big enough for the label to keep supporting you and for you to be able to make records based on that that ballad. But then, you know, not so big that you can't continue to just make the music that you want to make for the most part.
1: Now, Darren did say in the what didn't work for him category, he said nothing. He said he just wished there was a second and a third album to see where the band's sound went. And I kind of agree with him. I I would have liked to have known... You know, what what would they have done after this? Because I looked on Discogs to see if these guys did anything afterwards. And there's nothing listed that the drummer, bass player or um, guitar player, singer, uh, any of them did anything with the vocal guitarist, Dave Thomas. uh, He had a band before this. But um, as far as I can tell, none of them were in any bands after this now maybe they just aren't listed on discogs so it's entirely possible but it seems weird that you know this is a pretty strong album overall we'll get to our final you know where the album better ep ratings but i would think that you know if there were some sort of disappointment in terms of this not doing well they could have regrouped as you know you know figured out something else or I don't know. I don't, I'd like to know the story of why this band just went away after basically two years.
2: Yeah. I, sometimes when you listen to a record, a one-and-done record, you get a sense of why they didn't continue. Like maybe there's one person in the band that is obviously dominant or just musically it didn't quite gel. Uh, right. Like, like if the lead one of singer
1: had re- become gone solo or something.
2: Yeah, but this is a record where, yeah, I don't, it sounds like a band just really on fire in terms of all playing together and really working well together. So it's, it's kind of puzzling uh, how that you couldn't turn this into a, a couple more records.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's maybe this, this was probably primed for 1995 and not 1998 in terms of American, at least alternative in college radio. Probably, probably was just too late for a record like this to make an impact here in the States. But uh, let's give our overall ratings on this record, Jay. Worthy album, better EP, or decent single. Where are you at?
2: Uh, Worthy album. I mean, the stuff I don't, I think is subpar, is still worth listening to. So, and it's it's really, I think it's most cases just, sections of songs mm-hmm. uh they so in some of these cases there's other sections that i do like quite a bit so um yeah i this is a i didn't know what to expect with the band name it's like well, i have no idea what this would be right <laughs> you know so it's always fun to hit play and see what you're in for and i was pleasantly surprised and enjoyed it so this is one i'll, I'll probably be listening to uh, quite a bit afterwards
1: i agree with you i think there are probably two songs that i mentioned can't explain and and Test writer that I really don't care for but the other 10 are really solid I think out of those 10 there are like 6 or 8 that are really really good tunes that uh, you know could find their way into a a playlist on Spotify easily so uh, it's a shame that you can't stream this band pretty much the only way you can listen to them in the United States is by going to YouTube and there's like 3 songs you can check out on YouTube and that's about it so luckily, those are good songs, uh, but that's that's about all for this band. So we need to thank our suggestor, uh, Mister Darren Leach, for supporting the podcast and uh, doing so over at Patreon. Which you're welcome to join us out there, listeners, at Patreon.com forward slash Dig Me Out. At uh, a buck a month, you get to um, get access to bonus content you get to vote on our polls, which very soon we'll have our first suggested album poll, which is people who can uh, go to our website and drop in a suggestion. And we've been posting them up on Facebook for people to find out what have, what has been suggested. And then uh, we're going to throw a couple of them into a poll at Patreon. And we're going to let our patrons pick one of those records. So, they're, they're coming in from all over the place and all kinds of different records, so it's going to be an interesting first poll. I've already got it locked and loaded at this point. I know what's what's happening, so uh, be sure in the next week or so to get your butts over to Patreon because that's how you're going to vote on that.
2: Yeah, it's been fun. I've been we've been posting uh, the nominees on Facebook just to let people know they're coming up and they're going to be in the poll, and a lot of people are voting in the comments and uh which is awesome there's some great conversation but uh uh, your vote doesn't count right unless you're on
1: patreon those are the primaries right we'll get to the actual election that's where
2: you can uh you can debate and make your case but the actual voting will be up on patreon
1: absolutely and of course if you like what you heard please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at itunes or jay I'm Tim, we're out, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out.
0: Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash Out and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages as well as our merchandise store at zazzle.com.